our passage. It's in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3, and uh, verses 11 through 26. And our message series is called Church on the Move. We're working our way through the book of Acts. Uh, we're seeing how God worked in the early church. Uh, last week, we, we saw how Peter and John healed this beggar. This was a man who had been lame from birth, and uh, God healed him. And uh, this week, we're going to follow up on that story. The story continues because you can imagine after healing like that, people had questions. And, uh, and uh, so we're going to see Peter's interaction with the crowd immediately following that healing. So we're in Acts chapter 3, and I'm just going to read verses 12 and 16 as we get started. Uh, verse 12, when Peter saw this, he said to them, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? Jumping ahead to verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. This is the word of God. You know, we mentioned last week that it's here in chapters 3 through 5 of the book of Acts that we first begin to see opposition to the gospel. Gospel proclamation will always bring opposition. But you've got to ask the question, they just healed a guy. This guy's been lame from birth. They just healed him. Why would anybody be upset about that? What could possibly be wrong with healing someone? And it all comes down to the text we're going to look at today. It all comes down to Peter's words to the crowd immediately following the healing. I'll sum it all up for you. Peter basically tells them it's all about Jesus. And anytime you bring the name of Jesus into the picture, you need to be prepared for opposition. It seems people never have a problem if you're just doing good works. Uh, people don't have a problem if you're just out there helping people. People don't have a problem if you're doing works of mercy. Those are all things we should be doing as Christians anyways, but they do seem to have a problem sometimes when you bring up the name of Jesus. But when you're a Christian, you know, you just can't help yourself, right? We just looked at that theme verse, Acts 1.8. Jesus said what? You will be my witnesses. In other words, we're witnesses to Jesus. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. It truly is all about Jesus. And as a Christian, you cannot help but share that with those around you. So that's what Peter does. That's exactly what he does here. The crowd comes running. They've heard about this miraculous healing. And Peter tells them, hey, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Christ. And he does this in three ways. If you look inside your worship guide, there's an outline. And I encourage you to take that out at this time. It'll help you to follow along with the message. Uh, but three ways Peter tells them it's all about Jesus. So here we go. Let's get started. First, he tells them that all the glory belongs to Jesus. All the glory belongs to Jesus. And if all the glory belongs to Jesus, what does that mean? It means that you and I, we should not be taking any glory for ourselves. Take a look now. Verses 11 and 12. We see this right here. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished, and they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us 
as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk. So the people are astonished by this healing. They come running. I got to tell you, if Peter and John really did heal this lame man by their own power, yeah, that would be astonishing, okay? If any of us had the power just to heal people, that would be astonishing. But if you know the power of Jesus Christ, nothing should surprise you. And you notice how Peter and John, they're careful not to take any of the glory for themselves. In fact, they specifically discount uh, their own power or godliness as having anything to do with this healing. They don't have the power to heal a beggar, lame from birth. They have no special godliness of their own that's giving them a direct channel to God in heaven for this healing. And there's a lesson for us here, isn't there? Whenever God uses you in some way, and I pray God uses you often, when God uses you in some way, be thankful, right? Be grateful, but don't make the mistake of thinking that you have done this by your own strength or godliness. Your strength is not your own. It comes from God. Right? Paul said, you know, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Your strength is not your own. Your godliness is not your own. It also comes from God. Paul said in Philippians, he said, not having a righteousness of my own, but that which comes from God and is by faith. So don't take any glory for yourself. Why? Because it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. This healing had nothing to do with the apostles' own power or godliness. Something else was going on here. Something else was at work. So what was that something else? That's what Peter tells them next. He proclaims to the onlookers, this is what's going on here. God has glorified Jesus, whom they crucified. Look at verses 13 through 15. Peter continues. He says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate. The Pilate had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Peter doesn't mince any words here, right? First of all, Peter identifies who he means by God. He's very clear who this God is, who he's speaking of. He says, it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, He says, it's the God of our fathers. This is our God who has done this. And so Peter draws a straight line from the God of Israel in the Old Testament to this healing that has now taken place in New Testament times. And then Peter also identifies who he means by Jesus. And he calls Jesus God's servant. God's servant. Every Wednesday night right now, we've been over in the prayer chapel studying the servant songs in Isaiah. Jesus is that servant who is prophesied by Isaiah in these servant songs. Peter may be especially thinking of Isaiah 52 and 53 here, uh, 52, 13, which speaks of the servant as being raised and lifted up and highly exalted. 
And that's Jesus. Jesus has been raised up. He's been lifted up. He's exalted to heaven where he is now working through the Holy Spirit to do these amazing things like we're seeing here in Acts. Peter says, God has glorified this Jesus. And then speaking to the crowd, he says, whom you rejected. Well, how did they reject Jesus? Well, they certainly rejected Jesus' teaching ministry while he was alive. But Peter is especially thinking about the crucifixion here. Because he goes on to tell them four ways. Four ways they rejected Jesus at the cross. Number one, they handed him over to be killed. Okay, that's where it all started. They handed him over. Number two, they disowned him before Pilate. Now, that must have been a tough one for Peter to preach. Because what did Peter do the night Jesus was betrayed? Peter disowned Jesus three times in the courtyard. And I'm sure Peter was thinking that even as he speaks these words. Thirdly, they asked for a murderer to be released. This was Barabbas. You may remember. You know, Pilate gave them a choice. Who do you want me to release? The murderer, Barabbas, or Jesus, who says he's the king of the Jews? And they all cried, Barabbas. Barabbas. And so a murderer went free, and Jesus went to the cross. Finally, Peter says that they killed the author of life. This is a powerful statement of Jesus' divinity. The author of life is the creator the, the creator and giver of life. That's God. Jesus is the son of God. Peter says, Jesus is the author of life. And you killed him. Now, of course, not everyone in this crowd was part of that same crowd that called for Jesus to be crucified. But the reason, Jesus is, uh, the reason Peter is able to implicate them all is because we are all guilty of Christ's death. You see, Jesus died for sin, for all sin. We are all sinners. And so each of us is responsible. We are all guilty of killing the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. Peter says, hey, John and I, we're witnesses. We're witnesses of Christ's resurrection. Remember, this was one of the qualifications to be an apostle. To be an apostle, you had to be with Jesus from the beginning, and you had to be a witness of his resurrection. Peter and John are both witnesses of Christ's resurrection. They saw him alive again. They saw him resurrected, and they fearlessly, fearlessly proclaimed that God, by raising Jesus from the dead, has glorified, glorified his servant whom we, not just they, whom we crucified. Now, draw it all together. If God has glorified Jesus, what should we do? We also should give all the glory to Jesus. And that's exactly what Peter and John do here. Look at verse 16. Peter continues. He says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you can all see. What does Peter do here? He turns the people's attention away from him. He turns their attention away from John. He even turns their attention away from the man who was healed. And he directs their attention to Jesus 
instead. He says, this man was healed by the power of Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him. The power is in the name of Jesus. It is through faith that we appropriate that power. There's all sorts of power in the name of Jesus, but you will never lay hold of that power until you believe, until you put your faith in Christ. We find a similar thought in the book of Romans, uh, the first chapter, verse 16, where, uh, which says that the gospel is the power of salvation, not for everyone, it says, it says for everyone who believes. Once again, faith and power. There's power in the name of Jesus, but you must have faith in order to appropriate that power. And so the people, they all come running. They want to see this amazing thing that they think that Peter and John have done. But Peter is adamant. He says, it's not us. It's all about Jesus. The lesson for us is clear. Don't take the glory for yourself. God has glorified Jesus. We should give all the glory to Jesus as well. That's the first part. Peter tells them all the glory belongs to Jesus. Next, he says, all these things were foretold about Jesus. All these things, and here he's especially speaking of Jesus' suffering, the crucifixion, Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. And at first, he tells them that the Messiah's suffering was foretold. Very important, because a lot of people didn't see that coming. They couldn't understand how a Messiah would suffer. The Messiah's suffering was foretold. Look at verses 17 and 18. Peter's still speaking here. He says, now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. You notice how Peter softens softens the blow for a moment here? He says, hey, I know you acted in ignorance. The Bible speaks about two kinds of sins, sins of ignorance and presumption. Now, those unintentional sins, those sins that you didn't even know were sins, they're still sins. And they still needed a sacrifice to cover them, but they were not on the same level as an intentional or open or defiant sin against the Lord. And Peter tells the people, he says, hey, when you crucified Jesus and when your leaders crucified him, you acted in ignorance. And that's something we find elsewhere in Scripture. Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, spoke about God's secret wisdom Revealed in the cross, he said, which none of the rulers of this age understood, because if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they really knew who Jesus was, they wouldn't have crucified him. Paul referred to himself. He said, hey, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was a violent man. But he says, I was shown mercy. Why? Because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Jesus himself prayed from the cross. Remember, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. And so Peter acknowledges, says, hey, I know you did not realize you were crucifying the Messiah when you crucified Jesus. They didn't know what they were doing, but you know what? God knew what he was doing. Because Peter says, this is how God did it. This is how God fulfilled what was written about the Messiah, about the Christ. He says, all this was foretold in the scriptures. And we just get a summary of his messages. He may have led them to Psalm 22 or uh, Isaiah 50 or Isaiah 53, which speaks about the Christ, the Messiah, and the sufferings that he would undergo. 
Peter's saying it's all part of God's plan. It was all foretold. He says, you were ignorant, but Peter tells him, you can't claim that any longer. You, can't, you cannot claim ignorance any longer. Why? Because God has glorified Jesus by raising him from the dead. That means Jesus is the promised and appointed Messiah, and therefore, although they were ignorant before, now they need to repent and turn to God. Look at verses 19 and 20. Peter says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ, the Messiah, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. In other words, ignorance is no excuse. Yes, their sin can be forgiven, but first they must repent. This is true for all of us. Our sins can be forgiven, but first we must repent. And Peter says three things. We just read them. Three things will happen when you repent of your sins and turn to God through faith in Christ. Number one, your sins are all forgiven. Peter says they're wiped out. It's a word that means to, just to, to wash away, to obliterate, to erase. God says something similar in Isaiah 43. He says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions and remembers your sins no more. When you repent of your sins, when you turn to God through faith in Christ, all of your sins, want to take a minute to think about all of your sins? Probably not. I don't want to take a minute and think of mine. Take a whole lot longer than a minute. When you turn to God through faith in Christ, all of your sins wiped clean. They're forgotten. As far as God's concerned, no trace remaining. God wipes the slate clean, and you are given a new start. Who doesn't want a new start? It's the first thing that happens when you repent and turn to God in faith. Secondly, Peter says, you will receive times of refreshing from the Lord. And the word translated refreshing here carries the idea of a cooling breeze. When you come to God through Jesus, you receive spiritual rest and refreshment through the Holy Spirit. Your sins are forgiven and you are brought into the very presence of God where you receive his blessing and his favor. In Psalm 32, David speaks of the blessedness that we receive when we confess and turn from our sins. David said, said you know, for, for, at first he said, I didn't want to confess my sin. I didn't want to go to God with it. He said, when I kept silent, he said, it was like my bones were wasting away. He said, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. He said, but then I did it. I confessed my sin to the Lord, and the cooling breeze of God's forgiveness came washing through his life and refreshed and restored him. That's the second thing that happens when you repent and turn to the Lord. You receive times of refreshing from God. And then thirdly, Peter says, now you're ready for Christ's return, right? That, that's what he said. He said, repent, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And then thirdly, that God may send the Christ, 
who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. God is getting ready to send Jesus, who is the promised and appointed Messiah. The question is this. God is getting ready. The question is this. Are you ready? And the answer is only if you have repented of your sins and turned to God through faith in Christ. Jesus is the promised and appointed Messiah. God established that by raising him from the dead. It was our sins that put him on the cross. We are responsible and we can claim ignorance no longer. All these things were foretold about Jesus. And then there's one more thing that was foretold. When Jesus returns, God will restore everything as foretold. Look at verse 21, where Peter says of Jesus, He, Jesus, must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. It's interesting, right before Jesus ascended to heaven, okay, this is between the resurrection and ascending to heaven, uh, his disciples asked him, we looked at this, Acts chapter 1, verse 6, his disciples asked him, Lord, are you, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And of course, the answer was no, this wasn't the time. But look how much Peter's grown. He's grown from asking, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now he proclaims when Jesus returns, God's going to restore everything, touches the kingdom. He's going to restore everything as foretold by the prophets. We find these prophecies all the way through the Old Testament, especially in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 11, Isaiah 65, beautiful promises of God's restoration. So in other words, once again, we're going to sum it all up. It's all about Jesus, right? All the glory belongs to Jesus. All these things were foretold about Jesus. And then finally, our last point, Peter says that all the Old Testament points to Jesus. And he gives us three specific examples. He says Jesus is the prophet like Moses. I'll tell you what that means in a moment. Jesus is the one spoken of by all the prophets. And Jesus is Abraham's offspring who brings blessing to the world. So first, Jesus is the prophet like Moses, verses 22 and 23. Peter's still talking to the people. For Moses said, he quotes Moses now, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Peter's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 18, this is one of the most important prophecies in the Old Testament uh, for the Jewish people. Moses told the people of Israel, God I, Moses said, I'm going, okay? I'm not going to be around forever, but God will raise up a prophet like me from among the people. And when he does, you got to listen to him. Otherwise, God will call you to account. Now, this prophecy was partially fulfilled in the, in the long line of prophets that God raised up to speak to Israel over the years. But now this prophecy comes together. It culminates in a single person. And Peter says that person is Jesus. Jesus is the one Moses spoke about. And anyone who does not listen to Jesus then will be cut off from God's people. And so here's another reason why we need to repent, why they needed to repent. They didn't listen to Jesus. Jesus came speaking God's word. They didn't listen to him. Instead, they disowned him. They called for him to be crucified. Jesus is the prophet like Moses. Not only that, Jesus is the one spoken of 
by all the prophets. Verse 24, indeed, said Peter, all the prophets from Samuel, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. So all the prophets in the Old Testament spoke about these days of the Messiah, these days when Jesus was here. Jesus is the prophet like Moses from Deuteronomy. He's also the Messiah of whom all the prophets spoke. Who are all the prophets? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. And not only those prophets who have books named after them, but other prophets like Samuel and David and Elijah and Elisha. All of the Old Testament prophets foretold these days. Why? Because the whole Old Testament, all the Old Testament points to Jesus. And then our final example Peter gives, Jesus is Abraham's offspring who brings blessing to the world. Verses 25 and 26. Peter's still talking to the people gathered for this miracle. He says, you are heirs of the prophets. You are heirs of the covenant God made with your fathers. And then he speaks of the covenant. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. And when God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. So this goes back to God's covenant with Abraham. When God first called Abraham, Genesis 12, God told him this. He said, Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And, and here's what Peter said, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, later on, a number of years later, quite a few years later, uh, this was right after Abraham obeyed God by offering up his son Isaac. God spoke to him again, Genesis 22. Abraham, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, Isaac, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the sand in the seashore, and through your offspring, there it is again, all nations on earth will be blessed. So was the offspring Isaac? I mean, Isaac's right there. That's probably what Abraham thought. But we know that it can't be Isaac. Because later on, God tells Isaac the same thing he told Abraham. You jump forward to Genesis 26. God's speaking to Isaac now. He says, Isaac, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands. And here it is again. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me. Now, this offspring is not Isaac. This offspring prophesied to Abraham And Isaac and Jacob was none other than Jesus himself. So you see what Peter's done now? Peter has traced Jesus all the way back now through the prophets, right? And then through Moses, and then all the way back to the covenant God made with Abraham. And he encourages the people. He tells them, you are the heirs of this. You're the heirs of the prophets and this covenant. This Jesus whom you rejected is for you. God raised him up. He sent him first to you to bless you. And those words raised up, that's the prophecy, right? God will raise up a prophet like Moses. You must listen to him. Long and the short of it, the whole Old Testament points to Jesus. He's the prophet like Moses. He's the one spoken of by all the prophets. He's even Abraham's offspring who brings blessing 
to the world. It's all about Jesus, right? All the glory goes to Jesus. All these things were foretold about Jesus. All the Old Testament points to Jesus. Faith in the name of Jesus brings forgiveness, healing, refreshing, and restoration. Who is Jesus? He is the promised and appointed Messiah. It was our sins that put him on the cross. We, you and I, we killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Therefore, we need to repent of our sins and turn to God. And when you do that, your sins will be forgiven. You will receive times of refreshing from the Lord. And best of all, you get to be a part of the new heaven and the new earth when God restores all things at Jesus' return. So let's give Jesus all the glory because it's all about Him. It's all about Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for these words You gave Peter. Lord, Peter didn't have any time to prepare this message. Uh, He was just suddenly confronted, but You promised that You would give us the words to speak through Your Holy Spirit when the time comes. And Lord, You certainly did that for Peter. We thank you for the precious truths that we find here, uh, that we should give you all the glory, that when we repent and turn from our sins and put our faith in Jesus, that we're forgiven and we're restored and we have the cooling breeze of your Holy Spirit in our life, and that we're ready now. You're going to send Jesus. You're getting ready to send Jesus. Now we're ready for that. When Christ returns, we get to be a part of the new heaven and the new earth. Lord, it's wonderful. It's glorious. We thank you that it truly is all about Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.